This is episode 140 of IDRA Class Notes. In a traditional setting, we ask students to produce. We ask them to draw a picture about. And we ask students in, in elementary and middle school to create a graph regarding something. High school, they have to create, like in mathematics, trigonometric ratios and finding different ways of helping the students graph this data that is static. But we rarely give students an image and ask them to tell us how it came to be. That is critical thinking. That is higher order thinking skills. Well, let me say good afternoon to everybody and thank you for joining us once again in our podcast series. I am really delighted to be sitting here today with Paula Johnson, who is one of my colleagues here at IDRA, continuing a conversation that we began some time back. But today we're going to be looking at a particular part of this extended conversation, Paula. And I just want to say hello. It's good hello. to have you. I have you here again. We are going to be talking about building critical thinkers through visual literacy. And we have talked about this issue of visual literacy and some of its elements, student conversation, higher order questioning, etc. But today I am asking Paula to take us a bit deeper into this conversation because of the urgency and the challenge we are facing dealing with issues like Common Core, more rigorous standards here in the state of Texas, but around the nation, more rigorous standards around these kinds of issues. So, Paula, I'm going to ask you to have at it this afternoon in terms of what we really need to know about how we build critical thinkers using visual literacy. So let me say hello to you, Paula, and give us some starting points, some things we should begin to think about as we enter this conversation. Okay, well, hello again. And as far as the individual components that you've mentioned today, we have done podcasts before on them more as an individual strategy for teaching and instructional practice, um, visual literacy and what it is and questioning strategies and how to format questions to take students to higher levels of Bloom's taxonomy. And we've talked about student discourse in the form of turn and talks and meaningful mingles and think pair shares. We've talked about them all separately, but recently we've had the opportunity to have several national sessions on how they tie together to build critical thinking. In the past, you know, traditionally we ask students, especially in math and science, we ask them fact-based questions, which are pretty much closed. We already know what the answer is. We know what we want to hear, but we really don't give our students a chance to think outside the box, if you will. I know that sounds cliche, but the way that the new standards are coming along between Common Core and even our Texas standards, they're asking students to think critically and answer questions that are of a higher level of exploration, if you will. So it's almost that we have to ask students their opinions about math and science. Let me ask you, why now has critical thinking become so important? Is it because of these higher, more rigorous standards, or is there something that's leading to that's important? If you were to review our TEKS and the 
standards where Common Core actually comes from, from the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics, NCTM, who wrote back in the late 80s, early 90s, the principles and standards are for mathematics, period. It goes from pre-K all the way through 12. All of those documents include what they now kind of call mathematical practice, which means they want students to be able to think and speak as mathematicians. And then in the new generation science standards, they're speaking about our scientists, our our the language of science. We are not building a core of students who think and speak academically in the content area. And so the standards have always been there, but not all of our students have been responsible for them. So now that we are expanding and pushing more students to higher levels of math and science, we also have to push how they interact and how they engage with the content. And so that means not allowing any more for baseline knowledge of just facts. They have to be able to converse. And actually, when it comes down to problem solving, that's where this critical thinking comes in. We've talked about problem solving, but they meant more about given a problem situation in mathematics that you solve the problem. Now, it's not just about solving the problem, it's about being able to explain how you solve the problem, why you did it that way, how you, know, how you chose your path to your solution, and being able to then, the, the critical thinking part also comes in after problem solving where, does my answer actually make sense? Can I rationalize? Can I justify? And can I debate politely on why I think I'm right? Or if I'm watching a presentation by another student, can I academically challenge their process. So it's more about getting into the the realm of conversations about the math, not necessarily just working several exercises. So how does visual literacy help all of this to occur? And it seems to me that there's one thing to talk about visual literacy to operate at these higher levels in the classroom. How does this even apply to our lives? The young men and women who are mathematicians, who are scientists. How does this apply to our lives? Well, we know that visuals are all around us. I mean, you look in the newspaper, you're online. We are bombarded with visual images. And by by visual images, I mean graphs. Any kind of bar graph, pie graph, scatter plots, line graphs. Then you have actual images as far as graphics and photos. And then in the classroom setting, you also have graphs and pictorial representations pertain to the the subject. So as far as the students are concerned, in a traditional setting, we ask students to produce these things. We ask as young as pre-K, we ask them to draw a picture about, and we ask students in, in elementary and middle school to create a graph regarding something. High school, they have to create, like in mathematics, we were just talking about trigonometric ratios and finding different ways of helping the students graph this data that is static. It never changes, like the sine of 30 degrees. There is a graph for that. But we rarely give students an image and ask them to tell us how it came to be. That is critical thinking. That is higher order thinking skills. Because since they didn't generate it, they have to know Kind of get into the creator's mind. Exactly. They have to figure out what did they mean? Why did they give me this information? What is the information trying to tell me? And then how can I make other predictions based on this data? So it doesn't matter if it's a bar graph or if it's a pie chart 
or sometimes a picture. In science, we used a picture recently that had trees that appeared to be blowing and there was water all over the ground and it was kind of gray skies. And so we asked the participants in the session to talk about that picture and try to determine what was occurring. And that was talking about the difference between inference and fact. You know, what you think may have happened is not necessarily a fact. Now, a fact was there was a lot of water on the ground. An inference might have been it either rained or there might have been a tornado or a hurricane or a tsunami, a tidal wave, something like that. So it's more about getting students to expand their knowledge by looking at that graph. Like, what are all the things, like kind of like a toolbox, pulling out everything they could possibly know about that visual and then kind of sorting through the the extraneous information to get down to what could actually have happened. So do you actually have examples or activities that our listeners could use that would help them to do this level of thinking, this level of discourse, this level of critical thought? Absolutely. In the PowerPoint, you'll see some examples of how to have a turn and talk with which students. PowerPoint? In the PowerPoint that will be posted, that's called How's a Picture Worth a Thousand Words oh, okay. in Math and Science. Great. There are images that begin showing teachers how to have a simple turn and talk. Like there's an image of a spoon. Yes, it's just a spoon, but there's a difference between structured and unstructured conversations where when we, we think that we're having student conversations by saying, oh, talk to your neighbor about but we haven't told them who they should be talking to, what the purpose of their conversation is, and how it will be structured. Like, I'm going to give you, in pairs, a minute to have this conversation. 30 seconds for the first, 30 seconds for the second. There has to be some structure. But in there, you will find some examples of turn and talk. There are also some graphic organizers that help organize academic vocabulary or concept mapping. There are examples of foldables on how they can create, if they're using interactive notebooks or any kind of notebook, different sorts of interactive notebook materials, the foldables, the Freyer model, Venn diagrams, film strip diagrams to do sequencing or predictions. Do you have questions higher order questions that will help teachers, for instance, to get to this level of discourse, this level of conversation? Yes, and towards the end of the PowerPoint, they will find a sample cue chart. It's called a question chart or ah, a cue chart. Great. That shows how your least complex types of questions, like what is, where did, towards a more complex situation where you're asking a student why might or how would because then you're asking them their opinion and then to justify it. It's not so much about being right or wrong, it's more to see how the student, it it gives you a glimpse into how they're thinking about something because they get to respond and it's, it's not necessarily a numeric answer, it's more about their process and being able to come up with a, a problem-solving strategy. So are students ready for this? Are teachers ready for this in 2014? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can raise, one, the level of engagement. You're valuing them. You're asking them what they think about something rather than just to give you back what you have already put in. I guess them. not only what they think, but how they think how about they something. How they think it. It's amazing. You're also, as a teacher, you're getting much more robust responses from your students. They want to share. They want to feel academic. And this is a way to let them do that. Rather than just saying, what is this a graph of? It's more about how would this graph change if 
you change a specific detail about it, then that's like, oh, well, wait a minute. How, okay, what would happen? And they're thinking through rather than just going, oh, it's a graph. It's a line. It's a, you know, instead they're having to think, oh, what would happen? And it engages more information. They're, they're having to draw on more sources of information. And letting them talk to another student at the same time allows them to kind of lower that effective filter so that when you call on them, they are more likely to give a response. Paula, this is really absolutely fascinating. And, you know, uh, our time is just running out. But I can imagine this conversation could go on uh, for hours when you think about the level of complexity and the challenge that it presents for deeper, I guess, more rich learning, etc. Give me two things that our listeners should keep in mind as we leave and uh, as we close this podcast. What uh, two big ideas would you want them to be left with? Give them a variety of scenarios in your visuals not the same type. They have to explore all sorts of visuals. And then second, be patient and model. It's all about modeling, even with sentence strips or word charts, but give them an example of what it is you're expecting from them. Paula, this is absolutely great. I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy day to be with us once again. Uh, But you have to promise to come back. We need to continue this conversation and move into some other important areas. Absolutely. I would say to our listeners, I really want to thank you also. Remember that you can reach us online at www.idra.org. Please listen to our other podcasts. There will be postings of other podcasts that will be good background for this information. And we want to thank you for being with us and be sure to take care of yourselves. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.